The Museum of Teaching and Learning welcomes you to another episode of our series, Teaching in Times of COVID, stories dedicated to the experience of educators in public, private, and home teaching settings. I'm Denise Steedman, your host. Today, we're joined by Deborah Ward, who is the director of the Child Development Center at Cerritos College. Deborah, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Deborah, could you tell us about your career in early childhood education? Did you always plan to work with children? Well, I began my career in early childhood education in 1978 after graduating from the University of Redlands. I graduated with a double major at the U of R, first in psychology and theater arts with a dance emphasis. I planned to go to UCLA and get my master's degree in dance therapy, but I put that plan on hold to get married and start a family. I then worked at a local YWCA teaching children dance classes um, and adults. I always enjoyed working with children teaching dance, but I never imagined that I would be teaching them in a preschool setting. However, while working at the YWCA, I was asked to develop a preschool program at the YW. Um, that is where my ECE career began. After three years, I left the YWCA to work at the YMCA of Redlands down the street. At the YMCA, I developed and managed childcare programs for infants, toddlers, preschoolers, and also collaborated with the Redlands Unified School District to provide school-age childcare in 14 of their elementary school campuses. I went on to get a Master's of Science in Child Development from the University of Red, uh, excuse me, of the University of Laverne, and I worked um, after that for the YMCA for 20 years. Um, alongside of working with the Y, I also worked two nights a week teaching child development courses at San Bernardino Valley College. So for the, the uh, past 42 years, I've had the honor of working to serve our youngest citizens and also to teach the adults that will go on to teach the young children too. Uh, Deborah, tell us what you do at your community college. Uh, what do you oversee? How do you interact with the community, et cetera, staff? So as you know, I currently work at Cerritos College. Um, I have been there now for the past 16 years. And at Cerritos, I, I serve as the director of the Child Development Center. The center is also a laboratory school for students interested in becoming future teachers in early childhood education. My role there is to manage the child development program for children ages two to five years, I supervise the employees and teach the practicum fieldwork courses in child development. In this course of um, ECE practicum, I place students at the Child Development Center and team them with one of the center teachers as their mentor. I can then supervise and coach the student and the mentor teacher in bridging the gap from theories learned in the classroom to applying them in the preschool setting. Okay. Um, just for our listeners, EDC is early early childhood education. Childhood education. Mm -hmm. yes. The center then interacts with the community by providing child care 
for our college's community of students and employees and the community at large. We encourage the parents and children to participate in many of the college's special events, such as the Breast Cancer Awareness Walk. Uh, we have homecoming events that we invite them to and canned food drives. I believe that children grow emotionally, intellectually, and physically, not only through their relationships, but also through their community. For children, community involvement and engagement produce long-term benefits in their lives. It gives them a sense of belonging and is crucial to building of their identity. So really, this is a multi-layered uh, interaction that you have. Your, your department is unique as in it's not just student-based, it's parent-based, community-based. You have children who are children of students that and is correct. children uh, of the community, however. So you service everyone that essentially is in the community. That is correct. Um, how many children are usually involved during a, a, a normal year? Um, we have an enrollment of 96 children. I supervise 20 employees, and I teach up to 65 students per semester, which I then oversee at the center during their field work. Okay. Uh, let's pivot to the infamous March 13, <laughs> 2020, the day of the lockdown. Um, can you tell us when and how you were notified, what happened to your department, that must have been a, a, a big day that you remember well. Oh, absolutely. Um, so around noon on the day of the lockdown, we were notified by the president of our college that our governor had declared a pandemic and a lockdown. <clears throat> our president gave us until 5 o'clock uh, p.m. to gather anything from our areas that we may need to take home so that we could work from home. I also received correspondence from our HR department to inform the teachers and provide them with work that they could do from home. Fortunately, I was able to do that and um, our staff could continue to get paid and work from home. Not knowing how long we would be away from the center, <clears throat> I set up a series of virtual meetings with the preschool teachers to discuss the next steps and a plan for possible distance learning. During those meetings, we developed learning kits to distribute to the children, and as time went by, I was given access to my work computer from home, and all the center phone calls were diverted to my computer for access. Our college administrators worked very fast to make the transition as smooth and seamless. Um, let me elaborate on mm -hmm. that a little bit. So it's Friday. Uh, your your college president comes to you and says, you and every other uh, department, by the way, that's it. We're shutting down. How long did it take you to get all of this together? Uh, children needed to be picked up. Um, uh, you're putting these kits together. You have all mm -hmm. of your staff to send home with their materials. Were you just busy all week long or, or weekend? Yeah. Well, initially, initially we um, had four hours to, to gather <laughs> all of the materials that we needed to talk to parents. Um, we use a learning uh, platform called Learning Genie. Uh, so right away, all the teachers were able to contact parents through the Learning Genie app, uh, letting them know. Some parents called 
um, into the center because they heard about the lockdown um, at their, their at their work and through um, media, social media platforms that they um, look at. So it, it was very fast, and um, it took us about a week uh, to gather materials for um, students to take home. Um, we had drive-by pickups for the learning kits, and uh, teachers um, uh, communicated with parents through the Learning Genie to, to set up Zoom meetings with them um, first as, uh, as parents to talk about what possible needs and possible um, configurations of, of continuing uh, to serve them. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it, 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 it was very, very fast, um, but also a good thing. Sounds like it was very intense. Now, yes. reaction from parents, were some of them panicked? This is childcare that they rely on for both their mm -hmm. uh, student learning. Mm -hmm. You have your students who are learning to be teachers, early mm -hmm. childhood education teachers, and um, the community. Mm -hmm. So I, I, it sounds like you have a great uh, system for communication mm -hmm. and one that's particular to them. Um, how did they react? Well, initially, everyone was um, the parents that we spoke to one-on-one um, -on -one, uh, were were scared, were shocked. Um, there was a lot of uh, fear in um, in not knowing what was going to happen. How long was this lockdown going to be? Uh, what did that mean for them <clears throat> as far as their their own particular schooling and and jobs? Um, so, you know, it, it was, it, there was a bit of a panic um, mode, however, as the director, you know, I, I have to, I have to play the, the, um, uh, the role of, of keeping everyone calm and making sure that, um, that, you know, everything's going to be okay and working together, um, we can get through this. Um. How long were you shut down? Do you uh, remember how long that was? Um, initially, we were shut down for five months, and um, and I mean, currently, you know, the college is, has been shut down for the full sixteen months that we've been in this pandemic. However, um, I um, I developed a proposal to the president and the board and our executive council to allow us to continue to stay open uh, since the governor had deemed childcare a essential um, job. And we had many students that were uh, nursing students that um, worked um, outside uh, in grocery stores um, that needed the childcare. So we were allowed to come back on campus and open, reopen, um, for um, essential workers only. So we did that um, until, uh, for, for about uh, six months, and then we reopened for, to the whole community after that. Mm -hmm. So your, your <coughs> staff was, uh, your teachers were um, uh, deemed essential workers. That's and correct. And then your parents, whose children needed that childcare mm -hmm. uh, support, were essential workers as well. 
So that's how, it, so you were physically shut down for five months, and then when you were able to reopen, uh, you had that population, and then after that, you could open up to the community. To the community. Yes. Yeah. So you were some of the few people on campus. Absolutely. Then. It was only our department and the facilities department, which we really enjoyed because we got, you know, uh, everything we wanted from the facilities <laughs> department. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're there, and, and they're there to support you. And, that is correct, yeah. yes. So um, let's talk a little <clears throat> bit about um, teaching your, your uh, students <laughs> during the pandemic. So you have your early childhood uh, education potential, you know, future teachers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, who was teaching them? Were you doing that? Did you have your staff? How was that handled during this? Um, the students that I was teaching, I continued to teach. Uh, we we transitioned very quickly the next week into uh, a Zoom format. So I met with my students on Zoom um, twice a week, and um, you know then I provided them with uh, various activities and experiences that they could possibly get in the classroom, but I did it um, via video vignettes for them. So, so you had to develop videos. I had to develop videos. For your students. That is correct, That yes. you teach. Um, and then your, your, were there other experiences over Zoom for children or parents, or how was that handled? Um, anything for them? Yes, uh, the teachers and I developed a Google Classroom. And um, we, at the time of the pandemic, we had four groups of 24 children. Um, so each group set up a Google Classroom, and um, they met three times a week using the Zoom platform. Um, not all 24 children participated each time, which allowed for smaller group interactions. and. Um, we also felt that it was important to meet with the parents at least one night a week. And so what we did was um, we provided family yoga and mindfulness sessions during the evening um, where both the parents and the family members could participate. Uh, before the pandemic, we um, provided mindfulness and yoga to the children um, and also taught mindfulness parenting classes. So our families were already familiar with that part of our curriculum. Um, we found that yoga and mindfulness offer the psychological benefits for the child as well as the adult. And um, we know today that yoga and mindfulness can improve focus, memory, self-esteem, academic performance and can even reduce the anxiety and stress level. So due to this pandemic, we felt that continuing the mindfulness and the yoga tools for the children and parents would help them with the fear and the stress that they might be experiencing through this pandemic. Especially at that time, mm -hmm. with so many unknowns for um, employment, Absolutely. Uh, child care, mm -hmm. and, and these are your mm -hmm. children that you mm -hmm. educate and, mm -hmm. and care for. So yes. that's a wonderful uh, uh, thing to offer mm -hmm. the families. We all feel 
better when we relax and, and <laughs> absolutely some, uh, yeah that mindfulness yes yeah. especially at that that time yeah um, you said uh, when we spoke with you before that the shutdown put families at a crossroads mm -hmm. uh, could you expand on that how did you, how did you come up with that what made you think that and what does that mean well um, First of all, most of our families uh, that we serve at the center are students at the college. Um, because our college also acted to provide all of the classes online, um, many of our students um, took a back seat, decided that possibly that wasn't for them. Um, they um, um, dropped their classes um, we had over 50% of our families drop um, their enrollment at Cerritos. Um, and, and partly because they also had older children at school where they now had to become that older child's teacher. <laughs> and they had to <clears throat> learn all the skills and, and do all the things that they needed to do for that, that elementary school age child. Um, many of our families also lost their jobs and um, were faced with what to do next. So that time for them um, was a time of reflection and a time of obviously uncertainty, but also a time of um, really focusing on, you know, what are my priorities and what should I be doing now? And um, Maybe what I, what is it that I that I'm going to need to do in the future? So, so that may affect future enrollment. Do you do you think that will come back as you? Uh, well, you know, um, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, the health department um, required that enrollment decrease. So we went from having 24 children to a classroom to 10 children in a classroom. So for us to be able to service our parents, um, we were able to do that because we had, you know, we had the smaller ratios. And um, for the future, I don't think it's that's going to be an issue. Uh, we have a current waiting list of 600 families. And so, you know, if if somebody drops out, we do have you know somebody else to take their place. Um, right now, we're finding that um, most of our families are wanting to enroll um, that are from the community and not from the college community. So maybe uh, they are finding child care options. There are fewer of them in the community mm -hmm. at post-pandemic. Well, we're still in it, actually. Right. Um, right. And actually, that uh, leads me to my next question, which I was going to ask you. Mm -hmm. is what safety measures did you need to implement to comply with the state and CDC guidelines? Because you're responsible for that as Absolutely, well. yes. Um, fortunately, we had child care guidelines that were written by uh, the health department, community care licensing, and the state department of education were all in line with those guidelines. Um, the safety measures were many. First, we needed to reduce the number of children and teachers we could have in each group. 
We went from serving 24 children in each group with three teachers to 10 children and one teacher. The classroom environment had to reflect the six foot of space between tables, chairs, and all the learning centers. Many of the activities were done outside in what we call the outdoor classroom today. Uh, we put together totes for each child that held their pencils, crayons, markers, glue, scissors, um, so that they would not be shared by, by children. We had to cover and shut off all the drinking fountains, and we asked parents to bring child, uh, their child a water bottle. All the children and staff had to wear masks, so we had to mandate mask wearing. Um, parents uh, for pick up and drop off uh, drive by the parking lot area, and um, while they wait in the car with their mask on, uh, teachers come up to the car they check the temperatures on both the child and their parent and ask a set of health requirements before allowing them to come to the center. Um, we also divided the outdoor play spaces where the individual groups play. <clears throat> so the children get to see each other in the yard, but they do not get to commingle with each other. Um, in the separated areas outdoors, the children also eat their meals. Uh, we provide a morning snack and a lunch. All meals are prepackaged, which is a change for us. Since um, I do have a food service specialist who is a chef, she makes wonderful meals and um, also serves them family style, which we had to eliminate at this time. Um, we installed hand sanitizing stations and air purifiers in each classroom. Uh, the offices and all the staff areas. And um, we had to provide time for teachers to get additional um, hours without the children so that they could um, spend time cleaning the toys and changing out the toys for the next day so that um, the activities could be changed on a daily basis. Uh, and I think lastly, what we also did was uh, we minimized the traffic flow of at the center. Um, anybody wanting information had to make appointments. Um, we um, sent out an email blast uh, to the college community um, to make appointments if they want information about the center. And we have signs <laughs> on the doors that say, please make appointments to come see us. So. so this was not only a logistical yes. challenge and a huge project, but everyone knows that it's hard to keep little ones seated <laughs> and not running around and interacting with teachers and, mm -hmm. and their classmates. Mm -hmm. How was that handled in the classroom? Well, you know, children were, we found children to be very adaptable and very resilient. Um, the first couple days of them coming back to the center, uh, they seemed a little out of sorts because they couldn't just, you know, do the things that they were normally able to do at the center. Uh, we had to remind them to keep their mask on. We had to remind them um, to give their friends space because, you know, we wanted to keep their friend um, safe from becoming ill. Um, now, that was 
not so hard to do with the four-year-olds or the five-year-olds, but with the two-year-olds and some of the three-year-olds, that was very difficult. So, you know, I purchased lab coats for the teachers, and I also purchased face shields for the teachers so that if a child was um, crying, needed more one-on-one -on -one support, needed, you know, a helping hand, a loving touch, that they could still do that. So we made sure that that, that, that still was, was happening. And um, after about a month, uh, we found the children telling the teachers, oh, <laughs> your, your mask is off, or you know, your mask needs to cover your nose, or, you know, so um, that, was, that was interesting. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's good to hear. Yes. So they yes. became used to that because that has continued. Absolutely. And those um, policies are ever changing. As Absolutely. We know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, let's discuss <clears throat> the uh, support for your department from the college. Um, since you were practically the only folks mm -hmm. on campus at mm -hmm. that time, you must have had some administrative staff. And can you talk to that uh, a little bit for um, us? Sure. Uh, the executive council, which is um, the president and the VPs of administration and academic affairs and human resources, um, the board of directors, there, they were all very supportive of the Child Development Center. Um, they have provided funding, additional funding for PPE um, for all staff, and um, they also provide additional funding to support the Child Development Center. Um, <clears throat> we do receive funds from the State Department of Education to operate, and we do receive some funds from uh, parent fees but it's not enough to cover our staff um, salaries. So the college does help with that. They were very gracious in allowing our staff to continue to have their jobs. Um, they were very adamant that um, the childcare staff was not going to be furloughed, that they would continue to keep their jobs. Um, they allowed us to have whatever we needed uh, in regards to cleaning supplies and support from the facilities department, uh, signage, and I have ongoing communication um, with my dean and also the VP of Academic Affairs. Uh, although they're not on campus, they do work from home, but I, I can get to them, you know, anytime I need to. Um, the teachers at the center are not part of the union of the college. So um, they are paid, however, a very fair and equitable wage <coughs> with health, retirement, and vacation pay benefits. Um, the teachers uh, are, are looked at through the eyes of being a union member. Huh? And, and when the union negotiates <clears throat> various um, um, criteria or elements for faculty and classified, then the childcare workers just get, get that as well. So we are very happy with our relationship and collaboration. Mm -hmm. um, 
you think the enrollment numbers will be uh, back to normal uh, as the school uh, has on-site teaching this fall? Um, I, I think so. Uh, the enrollment um, restrictions are now no longer there by the health department and community care licensing. So we do have the opportunity to enroll 24 children in each group. We have chosen to be conservative with that enrollment um, requirement. So we went from having 10 to um, serving 18 children this um, past um, July. And in January of 22, we plan to have all of our 24 children back. And your, uh, the preschool center <coughs> is, uh, child care center, is open year-round. Yes, yes, we are open year-round. We Our fiscal year begins July 1 and goes through June 30th. Mm -hmm. So you've been in business. <laughs> That's right. All we this have time. All this time. Others have not, mm -hmm. yes. Um, uh, Deborah, you're a member of the Governor Newsom's Early Childhood Policy <coughs> Council, if I have that right. Yes. Would you tell us about your involvement uh, with that advisory board? Sure. Um, the governor put together in, uh, an Early Childhood Policy Council, uh, which is ECPC for its acronym, and a team to develop a master plan for early learning and care which includes state and national leaders in social impact, financing, policy, and equity issues. So the ECPC also consists of subcommittees of parent members and a workforce subcommittee. Um, as a member uh, or as a, an employee of a community college, I was nominated as a, to become a member of the workforce subcommittee. Um, on this workforce subcommittee, I serve to provide a voice and a perspective of the workforce in early care and education. Serving as an adjunct faculty um, where I teach future workforce um, teachers, I can then give input from the practitioner's points of view and speak to any of the barriers that um, they may share with me. That information is given to the council uh, during our council meetings, so I have an opportunity to speak up during those council meetings on various topics that you know might come up. And um, that information then is given to the governor and or legislatures um, where they can make choices to develop policies. Um, Right now, increasing the wages for the ECE workforce is a current hot topic. And um, especially with the addition of the TK and the, the um, possible universal preschool in the future, um, a focus on better wages and additional educational pathways uh, will, will be of concern. Can you tell me what the TK is? What, what is that? TK is a, a acronym for transitional kindergarten. Okay. So it's any Thank child you. that is four years old um, it is eligible to go to a TK program in their elementary school. So mm -hmm. essentially, you're there to say, this is how it really works. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is uh, what, this is the information you need 
to make policy. Right. You know, this is how right. the day-to-day, -day, uh, right. you know, teaching experience yeah. works. Yeah. Educating uh, teachers to become early childhood educators. That is correct. Um, it's interesting when the TK um, initiative came out, everyone in the ECE community um, was frantic about not having the proper um, educational background <laughs> for um, teachers to teach children of, of younger ages. So we, we were very concerned about having an elementary school teacher that taught sixth graders or fifth graders, and, and now they have to teach a four-year-old, uh, which is very, very different. So you know, we are very mindful and very concerned of what that might look like in the future mm -hmm. for our young ones. So your, your uh, child care center does not have a transitional kindergarten unit, is that correct? Um, no, however we can, although if we do, it would just be in name only. It would not be um, connected to any kind of funding from the State Department of Ed because that funding is, is all allocated for elementary schools. Um, so right now, I think the way the policy is being written is that parents could have a choice, that they could stay with their, um, their prior child care center that provides early care and education for four-year-olds, or they can transition into a TK. At an elementary school. At an school. elementary school, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you feel that the state <coughs> is, is uh, early childhood education is a big priority? Absolutely. For the administration? Absolutely, right now. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of money is getting thrown into early childhood education, mm -hmm. which is wonderful. Yes, <laughs> of course, of course. Um, we have one more question here before we close, mm -hmm. and it's something we ask. Uh, Deborah, <coughs> what are you most proud of? Mm. Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> so, um, I would have to say my two children and the life I have created for myself with my husband, Don. Um, but I think most importantly, I am proud of my parents. Um, and I'll tell you why. Um, their parents, which are my grandparents, both came from Mexico to the US as migrant workers. <clears throat> my parents were born in the US but were not encouraged to go to school. Instead, they had to work for the family. Both of them dropped out of school, my mother in fourth grade and my father in seventh grade. My parents taught themselves how to read, write, uh, learn mathematics, and speak English. They both worked very hard, and um, growing up, I never knew or thought I was lacking or poor. My parents gave me the encouragement and support I needed in school, relationships, and academic pursuits. They told me that my job was to learn and to go to school, and they each worked two jobs to put my three sisters, my brother, and I through school and college. So because of them, I have strived to be successful and confident in all that I do. Deborah. Thank you for being here today. And thank you for having me. 
please visit our website, www.modal.org. That's M-O-T-A-L dot org to learn more about our exhibits, events, artifact collection, and more. Also, find us on Modal's YouTube channel, Facebook, and Instagram. Museum of Teaching and Learning. We educate people about education. Teaching in the Times of COVID is brought to you by the Museum of Teaching and Learning and is the sole owner of its content.